Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 63 of Smart Enough to Know Better. A podcast of science, comedy and ignorance. I am Gregoire. And I'm Dan Beeston. In episode 63, I will be discussing the medical miracle that is oil pulling. And then nothing but black holes as far as the eye can't see. Then I'm going to ask the question, what is magnetic? So, what have you done this week in science? I haven't actually done it yet, but it arrived and I can do it very soon. I had delivered to my house a Lego model of Curiosity. Oh, right. It's not, it's not ready. It's not done. It's like it's a uh-huh. bag of Lego. And it's brilliant. It looks really good in the picture. I'm really excited by it. And it's really rare. And I got hold of one. And I'm going to build it. And I'm going to put it on my mantelpiece. And it's going to be great. So it's currently in lots of pieces. Yes, it is. So it looks more like the Beagle. And, oh, too soon, actually. That's too pretty soon? Good. That's pretty good. It's been a while. Been, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> suck, suck it, ESA. Suck it. It's, it's, it looks very cool. For those who don't know, Lego actually has a competition each year where they ask people to build a model using the blocks that they have. And then they say for everyone to vote for the one they'll mass produce. And they'll make a few weird blocks for the mass produce one. And a couple of years ago, Curiosity won. And I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for it to finally mass produce. And it finally came out. Can you get hold of one? Uh, you might it they're expensive <laughs> they're expensive and there's not many of them so uh, i managed to snag one snag yeah, but they deliver it by exploding a balloon above your house that <laughs> throttles towards and, and, and then bounces lowering a winch the they lowered a winch <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant that's that was my week in science and i'll, I'll keep you updated i put brick to brick excellent excellent now my week in science mm. we're all familiar with the glowing ball of plasma in the sky. Chad. 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 The official name for the Earth's sun. <laughs> As we all know, sun doesn't have a name. Yep. We went out, yep. named it. It's official. It's official. Basically, with just the paperwork to do. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and, and scientific community has to acknowledge it. Yeah. But but we're starting, and we've yeah. got some of you guys already, and yeah. Chad is his name. So I decided to go ahead with the paperwork. <laughs> what? Uh, I sent an email <laughs> to the International Astronomical <laughs> Union. Really? Yeah. How'd that go down? Well, I'll tell you my email. <clears throat> I understand that the IAU has no formal name for the Earth's sun. I co-host the popular science podcast. See, I put popular in there. That's very good. Yeah. That's very good. I co-host the popular science podcast, Smart Enough No Better, and we decided that this has gone on for long enough. We stepped outside and identified the astral body in question and named it Chad, a two-pronged name that reflects both the country of Chad, one of the sunniest countries on planet Earth, and the piece of paper snapped out of tickets. The Chad in the sky is also a circle punched out of the inky dark ticket of the infinite void. This will also go some way to address the unfairness towards humans called Chad for their sad and kind of stupid name. We request no changes to textbooks or any other associated literature, merely the recognition by the International Astronomical Union of this naming. Thank you for your time, Dan Beeston and Gregoire. Smart enough to know better. <laughs> Has there been a response? Dear Mr. Beeston and Mr. Waha. <laughs> I'm never working in this in this industry, am I ever again? <laughs> my masters just went down the toilet. I just I just picturing all my lecturers going, uh-huh. <laughs> so go on. 
Thank you for your email. In fact, there is no official IAU name for the sun, the earth and the moon. Every country and culture in the world has the right to call them the way they like in their own language and we won't change nor give any specific names for the above-mentioned objects. <laughs> if you would like to refer to this name privately, of course, as with anyone, you have the right to refer to it as you please. <laughs> However, it will not be sanctioned <gasps> by the IAU. <sighs> My best regards, Madeleine. Secretariat or la Institut d'Astrophysique de Paris. Paris. Uh huh, I see. You know what this means? What does this mean, Dan? Do you know what this means? What does this mean, Dan? It means Smart Enough No Better is holding a competition to name the moon. That's right. Chad 8's most popular satellite has gone unnamed for too long. And now you, listener, could win naming rights. Post a tweet on Twitter that states your name for the moon with the smartenough.org somewhere in the message and be in the running for your choice of either a Smart Enough No Better t-shirt or a CryptoZoo t-shirt. Some sizes may not be available. So put your thinking hats on and name the moon. I'm very excited. Now, Madeline of the IAU did say they won't officially recognise it, but did say we can privately call it whatever we like. So we can still say that it is called Chad on this podcast. Yes. They're not stopping us. No. And we can still put forward yes. the that's what it should be. That's what it's it's called. If we get enough people, if we get 7 billion people looking up and calling it Chad, yeah. it's Chad. That, yeah. And then the IAU has to go with they it. They have to. They have to. So if you go out and tell everyone it's Chad and they get then say Chad and then in the end, probably what, less than 20 more people, if you two, everyone does two, 20 more uh, steps away, the whole world will be calling it Chad. Quickly yeah. and more importantly, get onto Twitter and send us the name for the Earth's moon mm-hmm. and make sure you put smart enough.org somewhere in that tweet. Or at, so, at, also at SCGKB. No, no. Put smartenough.org because oh. then people will click on it and they'll come to our site. <laughs> I see. It. That's the whole uh, point of the competition. I'm bad at this uh, promoting thing. Okay, I'll, I'll leave it to the expert. <laughs> I don't have to do much work anymore. Oh, that's good. We have listeners who just send in ideas. <laughs> Lovely. It's thank, brilliant. Thank you, listeners. We do love you. We've got a listener called Alan Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know Alan. Yeah, we do know Long-time Alan. Long-time listener. Oh, yes. Yes, right back at the start. Yes, yeah, hello, yes. Alan. He has pointed out a fascinating health tip called oil pulling. Yes. It sounds legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, it doesn't. <laughs> what you do is you rinse your mouth for 20 minutes every day with a tablespoon of oil. Yes. Coconut oil, olive oil, doesn't matter. Not petroleum. Don't, sure. Not diesel or something. Yeah. Yep. Don't do that. <laughs> sensible yes. oil. Sensible oil. Sensible eating oils. oils. Okay, yes. Okay, Focus. so the oil is in your mouth. Yes. Swishing around for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. The oil pulls the toxins out of your mm. bloodstream, uh, out of the veins mm, under your tongue. You look mm. under my tongue. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's all yellow and weird. All veins and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah full of veins. So you'd rinse yeah. it out. Toxins go into the oil, mm-hmm. and then you spit it out. Mm. Now, careful with that slurry mm. because it's very toxic. Mm, of course it's it is. It's absorbed all the toxins from your blood. Then you do a saltwater rinse and you brush your teeth as normal. Mm. The benefits are brighter, whiter teeth, oh. healthier gums, prevents bad breath, increased energy, clearer mind, decreased headaches, clearer sinuses, alleviated allergies, better sleep, clearer skin, regulated menstrual cycles, improved lymphatic system, improved PMS symptoms. And I'm not even a woman. I know, but it's that amazing. <laughs> My menstruation will finally be what? What was it? Synchronized? Improved? Oh, regulated. Oh, regulated. Your menstrual oh, cycle. I will thought be regulated. my menstrual cycle wasn't that regulated. I must admit. 
Yes, it's very irregular. It's very, very... I've been waiting 39 years. I've been pregnant that long. So I found one actual study on oil pulling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a trial on 20 people. 10 people did oil rinsing. 10 people did mouthwash. Mm. The oil rinsing resulted in a slightly better result than the mouthwash. Ooh. But there was no actual control group who rinsed with saline or didn't rinse. Right. And the results seem to state that while the mouthwash had a gradual increase, the oil rinse had no increase until after two weeks. So it just jumped up at the end. Right. My gut feeling is that there's some dodgy science going on here. It does sound a bit strange. Control group... Sorry, the the, the group is tiny. Yes. It's not a proper control group. Because the control group is like filling their mouth full of alcohol. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. But there are reasons, scientific reasons, why it could have some benefit. Anytime something says it draws out toxins... Yeah. That's my first... Yeah. Every time I hear that, I go, no. Yeah. You're speaking crap. That's, that's pseudoscience babble. That's very good intuition that oh, you have. Good, good, good. <laughs> there are some reasons it could have benefit. It mm. stimulates saliva, and saliva is good for your dental hygiene. Yes, it is. Yep. Because of stuff that's uh, in your saliva. Just like chewing gum. Yeah. Yep. It gently massages the gums, stimulating blood flow. That can be good too. Okay. Because you want more blood flow mm. into areas that need to be healthy. Sure. I tried it. How's, how's your menstrual cycle? Uh, terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it was hardly the most scientific experiment in the world, but mm. I was interested to see what the experience was like. Mm. Of swilling oil around your mouth. It was really gross. <laughs> like, it was really go- gross. I had to repress you the viscous. Ga- yeah. yeah. And it, I had to repress the gag index. Reflex. Reflex. Mm. The gag index. <laughs> is that's, um, that's how we, that's we, we, we sell one gag versus another gag around the world, and the gag index tells you how much you get for it. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's, that's at the back of the gag. Yes. Uh, that you look at when, you, when you're looking it up. Uh, but <laughs> but if you, if the thing you, is, if you've got to the back of the gag, then you don't need to worry about your gag index because obviously it's pretty good. Yeah, if you don't know what a gag index is, look it up in the epiglossary. Oh, ah! that's, uh, wow. That's, <laughs> wow. So gag reflex. But it got better and after a couple of minutes, yeah, I found it kind of relaxing. Oh, okay. Kind of like, kind of like chewing gum, mm. a little bit weirder and grosser and had to be a bit careful that I wasn't spilling on myself mm. the mixture afterwards was gross i spat it into the bin outside or mm. I spat it into a paper towel mm. and it looked like thick phlegm sure and you can see why people think that they're spitting out terrible terrible toxins yes well human bodies are just gross at the best of times true but that's so. not what's happening here uh. see water has a refractive index of 1.330 mm, and okay. olive oil has a refractive index of 1.47 sure so when you're rinsing in your mouth your saliva which is mostly water mm. and some proteins i think mm. is mixing with the oil and it's mixing up and it's forming an emulsion yes and it's filling itself full of little bubbles little, as well that's what an emulsion is yes yeah and so olive oil is transparent Water's transparent, mm. but when you mix up the uh, emulsion, white it becomes white, you are green, it's uh, dark yellow. Based on the colour of the, the actual oil itself. Okay, yeah. So it looked horrifying. Mm. While I'd brushed the night previous, mm. uh, I still saw at least half a dozen flecks of food that had been washed from my gums by the rinsing a- mm. action, because it's 20 minutes of rinsing. Yeah, but it's, that's just any liquid running around the gum. Surely that would be the same as if, if you mouthwashed. True, except this is a little bit more viscous, mm. and also it, oil is a lubricant. Yeah. So it's probably even better at removing debt detritus maybe yeah your gums. maybe 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 it's as, far as, maybe. We can, as far as we can go there yeah yeah, yeah. we I, d- I didn't do tests yeah. <laughs> this as i said not the most scientific experiment in the world sure when i brushed my gums afterwards i saw, saw no real obvious reduction in plaque amounts mm. so it's not sort of washing the plaque off the teeth 
Unpressed oil is good for your skin and your hair, and it costs like five cents a mouthful. It's having some nonsense magical properties ascribed to it, but it doesn't appear to be bad for you. Mm. It may have some mild benefits. Hmm. But, uh, but no more than just doing your normal dental regime, surely, or the right dental regime, as in brushing your teeth, floss. I do a pretty decent dental hygiene. It was still getting oh, okay. extra stuff that was in there. So mm. if you want to swill oil around in your mouth mm. for 20 minutes mm. a day, mm. if you've got nothing better to do, mm. it's not hurting you. If you're, be... if you're just spending time writing letters to the IAU and you just need something to... That's important the, work! Half the time... <laughs> Okay. Keeping on top of your mouth hygiene may be of some value as people with periodontal disease are twice as likely to suffer from heart disease. But but that may be because the things that bring on gum disease are the same factors that cause heart disease. Mm. So smoking and junk food. Mm. Correlation Mm. is not causation. Indeed. But yes, so far as the process goes, I did this a week ago. Mm -hmm. I'm still tasting it. Oh. Oh, Oil, yeah, yeah, oil in the mouth is not good. I don't even like oil, like on my hands and things like that. You, you eat something oily, and then you, and you don't wash your hands, or you do wash your hands, and it's still there. And you use soap, and it's still there, and you just go, it won't go. And in the end, your skin has to like flake off to get this horrible stuff off you. So <laughs> to put it inside your body, I mean, you are anyway. You eat oily chips yeah. and things like that, but or it's just you know a nice Greek salad. Yeah, just, yeah, well, yeah, but it's just ah, but no, yeah. no, just brush your teeth, kids. Yeah. Uncle Gregoire says, brush your teeth. Oh, and I instead of flossing, <laughs> yes. my dentist put me onto those little teeny tiny brushes that you brush between your gums. The thing is, people give up because they, they can't find the gap and they can't push mm. it back and forth through. But all you have to do is put it up against, gently against the bottom of your gum and just wiggle it up and down, and mm. that does enough pushing of plaque to push it out the other side and mm. loosen it all up. There you go. That's dental advice from Dan. Yeah, from the same guy who uh, almost killed me. Doing your wisdom tooth extraction. <laughs> Let's not promote this guy anymore. <laughs> Are you going back to him? Yeah. <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> oh, but you were saying that it's very weird to have toxins come out of your blood. Like it, it doesn't a, happen. It doesn't happen. No. And someone put forward, well, maybe it's because in the mouth it's all water, mm. but if it's oil, then it would have to be an oil based toxin to break down. Because mm. the blood is. Mostly water. Yeah, yeah. So if it was an oil-based toxin, then maybe the oil would be... Maybe the mechanism would be oil breaking it down to remove it. But <laughs> right. they then followed up and said, the body is full of fats. Yes. They're going to be in those fats. Yeah. If, they, no, if it's your... going to attach to fat, it's going to do it in your body. Your body is not fatless. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah unfortunately, it makes fat. Unfortunately, it's so. It's really good at it. <laughs> yeah. It's a... It's a mm, yeah, I... It seems odd to me. The whole thing seems a bit... Well, that's because it's complete nonsense. <laughs> Just good for your gums, yep. but doesn't remove toxins. Indonesian waters. We're not asylum seekers. Repeat. We're not asylum seekers. State the nature of your journey. Well, it's it's such a nice day. We thought we'd go for a bit of a putter. A a putter? Yes. With 16 dehydrated and malnourished passengers. Yep. In that. 
It's a good boat. You're asylum seekers. No. That's definitely not a pleasure craft. We're pirates. Pirates? Arr. If you are engaging in piracy in Australian waters, we are authorised to use deadly force. We are definitely not pirates. You're asylum seekers. Okay, here's the truth. Is it now? We're a water skiing club. Oh, for Pete's sake. We're just a hallucination. I'm getting the tow cable. We're birds. So you did a, a little experiment there. With, with, I did. With, which is pretty good. We no, said, no, it was terrible science. <laughs> we said, when that's like, we at Smart Enough to Know Better are all for terrible science. At least we're trying to think scientifically and act scientifically and getting our popular listenership to do scientific stuff yeah. as well. And at least we know that our science is bad science. That, that's right. And we, and we do promote that as much as we can. We've had people give us information about their 21-second urinations. I'm still getting information about that, by the way. It's, it's just getting better and better and better, which is amazing. I, I, and we've got in contact with the initial people who did the study as well. Yeah. And they, they were interested that we'd actually done the study to back them up. They were very excited. In fact, that no one, no one has actually done human studies, as that was right. Was that correct? No, I think another website has as well. What, now or uh, since? As or? well as us. Oh, okay. So, so well, there's two of us who have done human studies. And I'm still getting information about that. So our listeners are really interested in doing simple science. We mentioned in the podcast, before the last podcast about dog poo direction, how a yes. dog aligns itself north-south or south-north when they go to the toilet if the magnetic fields are, are calm, yes. uh, so not the, the turbulent. So we've only had two two people writing about this. People don't own dogs or they don't really know where north-south is or they're not interested in telling me how much how their dog poos, yep. which is fair enough. But I've had two people, uh, Scott being one, and unfortunately I, I have the, written down the number, but I've writ- I don't remember the second person and I apologise to that person. Out of um, 18 recorded poops, the, um, the uh, Scott's dog, uh, whose name's Fizzgig, hello Fizzgig if you're listening, has uh, actually 14 out of 18 times has aligned itself north-south. Most of those, majority of those, south, not north. So that's that's one data point. That's not uh-huh. exciting. And the second one, out of 12 dog poops that have been watched, nine of them have aligned themselves north-south. Mm. Only north-south don't know which way. That's interesting to me. Once again, it's only two data points. So let's not get excited. Let's not break open the champagne and hand out Nobel Prizes. But... There is something to this. We would like people to write in more about this. I, I'm actually quite interested in this one. I wonder if you super glued a magnet to a dog's bottom, whether <laughs> it, we could just completely mess it up. If that's where that's where its magnetic sensors come. It. Yes, yeah. we, don't, we just don't know. We could get a whole bunch of different dogs and put different magnets over them. <laughs> Wait, well, I suddenly realised how a bad idea that was. Don't please, audience, don't do that. But I'm, I'm I am very intrigued. Can you please keep an eye on your pet's defecations? Tell us if it aligns itself north and south. I'm very interested in this, and we'd like to know more. Magnets! Woo! Everyone loves magnets. Especially Magnus from Melbourne. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. That little kid. Fair. More magnets. More magnets. That kid's going to be a supervillain. Magnets. <laughs> what do they stick to? Metals. Ferrous metals. It's or uh, paramagnetic materials. Or... Wait, no, no, no. <laughs> you see, I know that you, you're anxious about this, about answering this question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're a little bit... I like magnets. Look, I, saw, I saw your eyes and you went, I don't know the answer to this question. Oh. I've got to try to oh, okay. find okay. the answer. But don't worry, Greg, because uh, I did some prep. Uh-huh. And I've written you a script. Oh. <laughs> uh, here comes some science, kids. Oh. <clears throat> All right. So this this doesn't have a um, theme song, does it? 
like no, no. science theatre with the, Dan or something. Or no, the it. trick is that we're just trying to seamlessly integrate it uh-huh. with all the other signs oh, in the podcast. Okay, right, okay. Greg, what do you know about magnets? Oh, I know a little something. Settle in, Dan, and I'll tell you about magnets. Oh, good. Magnets interact strongly with ferromagnetic materials. Like iron? That's right, Dan. Iron is a ferrous material. Magnets can stick to it. That's not right, by the way. That's that's a bit weird. Shh. Sorry, sorry. Does that mean that my fridge is made of iron? Your fridge is made of steel, which is an alloy made up primarily of iron. Also, iron ore is ferrous. So, lodestone? Yes, lodestone and magnetite. Oh, it's right there in the name. It sure is. <laughs> Goodness me. Anything with iron is magnetic. Even the ditzy girl in the 80s Australian sitcom Apocalypse Now is magnetic. Huh? Effie? Oh, I get it. That's very clever. Thank you. I don't actually get it. No, sh- 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 oh, okay, right, okay. Okay. No, it's a good joke. It's a good joke? Yeah. Oh, okay. Effie. Oh, F-E. Yeah. Oh, that's actually actually quite good. Okay. I heard that nickel, cobalt, (laughs) and gadolinium are magnetic. They sure are. They also have iron in them. But I thought those were basic elements. How can basic elements have iron in them? They can't, Dan. Now, copper isn't magnetic, is it? No. It doesn't have iron in it, but it does interact with magnetic forces. Wow. Everything interacts with magnetic forces, but if they're strong enough, uh, if they're strong enough, sorry, let me say that again. Yeah. Everything interacts with magnetic forces if they're strong enough, but copper is interesting. If you pass a magnet by copper, it sets up electrical eddy currents. This is Lenz's law. So... Yeah, I know. Oh, oh, okay, sorry. That's that's the Wikipedia entry I stole it all (laughs) off. So that's how generators work. <laughs> yep. And if you drop a spinning block of magnet down a copper pipe, it appears to float slowly to the bottom because the electrical eddies are creating resistance. Holy f***ing shitballs, Greg. That's f***ing amazing. <laughs> Do I have to say the last line? Yeah. That's f***ing science, Dan. But it's not. It's wrong. It's, uh, it's incorrect. What? No. The, the eddy, the, the thing is not, it's not creating resistance. Magnetic field... Moving down yep. creates an electrical field yep. in the surrounding metal. An electrical field always has a corresponding magnetic field. If the magnetic field that's moving down creates an electrical field, the magnetic field of the electrical field it goes in the opposite direction and holds it up. It's not it's not in resistance. Wow. It's actually a Lift, force, a force in, in the other way. Wow. And, that's and if cool. you supercool it, so if you have a superconductor material and you supercool it, you can almost well, you can actually get it so that the eddy current doesn't get weaker and it can just float there forever oh wow so yeah there's so not i mean yeah it's not it's resistance cool. it's not resistance in the way that you might be thinking of resistance ah. in a circuit so you got it wrong when you said it before yes i got it wrong when i said it before because you wrote it down and you did you steal that from wikipedia and it's still wrong well i, I may have paraphrased badly <laughs> yay so what we learned is there's, there's a lot about magnets to know about i mean there's a lots and lots and lots about magnets paramagnetic materials and most things can be magnetized like you can actually get a magnetic field if you align the dipoles in something that becomes magnetic it's just harder to do yeah yeah, yeah but it can be done mm. I, but i was really surprised because i i'd only ever been told that ferrous materials were magnetic and mm. then i looked up and it's like nah, a whole bunch of stuff yeah. And you drop the temperature on some other materials and they become magnetic. There's no resistance in there anymore. And so the, 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 the slight fields that are built up, the dipoles and the way they're aligned, in the end don't have any resistance to overcome in the material. And therefore they, they can start generating oh. a magnetic field. And if you raise the temperature of a magnet, mm. its magnetism will just go. Yes. And once, then when, yep. it, when it drops down again... It's still gone. It, it's yes, just gone. It, it doesn't come back. That's once again, because everything is aligned. Because think about them. This is like the metal from last 
episode, isn't it? How we melt yeah. metal and it would form different types yes. of um, yeah, um, um, uh, crystals. Yes. Crystalline structure. Yes, think of it that way. That's right. Now, because you're thinking about a magnet, if you're thinking about atoms, the charges, north and south, they have north and south, positive and negative charges. So My tiny dogs line themselves up along atoms. <laughs> Defecate. Little quantum poos. Uh, yeah, so, th- that's, so these things have magnetic fields. And when you look at things like water, the way water is set up, water has um, slight, slight positive and ch- negative charges based on where all the, where all the atoms all sort of come and mm. join up. So therefore, it's slight, and then that joins up the water. Makes, that's what makes water kind of weird. So they, they, yeah. do, have, they do kind of have it's these... Polar, polarized? Uh, yeah, 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 oh. yeah. It's polar... Um, polar something. Yes. We discussed it mm, we did. in an episode previous about microwaves. It's the same thing as happening there. So if you can align all these things in one direction, it becomes magnetic. Now, when you heat it, if you heat a magnet, they're all pointing in the same direction, north and south. When you heat it, of course, they all go random. Heating yeah. is just adding more energy and making them jiggle, 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 jiggle. And then when you cool it, it's not necessarily... The chances of it all realigning straight up and down, you know, well, the way it was before, is almost zero. Yeah. And so, therefore, it loses magnetism. Because it's not gone. It's just... Spread out all over the place. It's yeah. spread out left, right, there, up, down, forward, backwards. So it all sort of cancels itself out. There it is. That's why, that's why things around you, that's why the wall is not magnetic. That's why wood is not magnetic. That's why your flesh is not magnetic. Every atom in your body is a tiny little magnet. I know people are jumping up and down and yelling at me there, but it has magnetic fields, electromagnetic fields. It's electromagnetic force to hold these things together. It has to be magnetic in that sense. Mm. I have the ability to be, but they're not aligned. Therefore, you don't get a net charge in any way, a net force in any way, shape, or form. It's only when it aligns. Hey, I was looking through the Smart Enough to Know Better finances, and I didn't realise that we were back in the black. Oh, I, I definitely told you. In fact, I should be getting some of that cash. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was wondering why you hadn't followed up on that. I asked you if we were making any money, and you said no. Oh, I remember that. I, I said yes. Oh, but I, I must have said it in Esperanto. What? And the Esperanto for the word yes is no. It must be un fait ami. Un fait... A, a false friend. It's a phrase that means something very different in a different language, but sounds very, very similar. For instance, if a curvy Spanish girl knocked over her drink and she was embarrassed, and I asked her, Esta embarazada, she might slap me in the face because I've just asked her, Are you pregnant? So when I asked you if we were making any money and you said no... In Esperanto. You really meant yes. Uh, Yeah. Do you even really know Esperanto? Yes. Did you just say no in Esperanto? No. Smart enough to know better would like to say that Dan Beeson does not know how to speak Esperanto. None of this sketch has any connection to Esperanto. No one speaks Esperanto. More people speak Klingon than Esperanto. Michelle Backman. <laughs> She's from the Tea Party. A good friend of the podcast. Good friend of the podcast, <laughs> Michelle Backman. Why have you mentioned Michelle Backman? So for the audience who don't know, who's she, Michelle Backman? She is from the Tea Party mm. in America. Oh. She's kind of right-wing, kind of conservative. That's a band, isn't it? The Tea Party. The so, Tea Party. Is that like thought, a really I, cool goth band? They're not as good as kind of right-wing. Kind of which right-wing. Which is a much better band. <laughs> um, the... I don't believe giving money to poor people. They do, but just on an individual basis. I wanted, not on I wanted to trickle down from my massive spending. Just rich people are conservative. I'm a bit stupid and I like rich people to come over me. If you're poor, you shouldn't be conservative. I celebrate their entire collection. All right. <laughs> she has quite rightly... 
put scientists in their place. Oh, thank goodness. And Those said, uppity scientists with their money. She said, Stephen fucking Hawking, <laughs> she said. Did she? Quote. Paraphrase. Quote. Quote. Paraquote. <laughs> She said, <laughs> Stephen, she said Stephen Hawking mm. just came out and said that he doesn't think that there's black holes. If scientists could be wrong about something that they've been telling us for years is very fundamental and obvious, like black holes, how can they possibly be right about anything? How can we trust them <laughs> about climate change uh. or... The effect of oil on baby harp seals, yeah. or gravity, gravity, <laughs> or electricity, yeah. or my the, iPhone, or my GPS system. Yeah, seriously. So this yeah. woman came out and said, "She said, you know what? She's an elected the, official. The truth uh. can be found in the Christian Bible. Right, Which one of it? many books, many, many books in the world that proclaims to be the." Word of the one true God. Mm. The, but black holes, <laughs> apparently they don't exist anymore. That's what the papers said. That came out and said, it was, black holes no longer exist or never existed, says Stephen Hawking. But how will we travel to a parallel universe where everything is kind of the same but kind of beards. different? That's right. All the women wear beards. Uh, uh, well, well let's, let's, let's unpack. Enough let's un- of your fair, rich fantasies. <laughs> let's unpack that for a bit. Stephen Hawking's never said that. He never said black holes don't exist no That's but he made his computer say it <laughs> is that what no we're getting at? no, no. no? it's just one of those exciting things that that the media picked up on and ran with the concept that Stephen Hawking says black holes don't exist he never said that. That's not what he was saying at all. But it's a really hard thing to talk about. It's 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 a really hard thing to unpack to, to try and work at what he was actually saying. A, he's Stephen Hawking, and he's very 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 clever. And unfortunately, when he said black holes don't exist in the paper that he wrote it in, he didn't put a lot of maths to it. <laughs> he just kind of said, "Here's some stuff," and everyone, a lot of physicists went, "Okay, that's sweet." Maths is always good, Steve. <laughs> Stevie baby. Realising, of course, it takes him a long time to get this onto a piece of paper. He can't just scribble it out. So that's one of the things I heard that it takes time. But we need to unpack this. We really do need to unpack it properly. Oh, okay. Okay. So I've like, opened up a can of space worms. Space worms. And it's pretty cool, though. I think it's pretty interesting. So, so lock yourself in, ladies and gentlemen. We're going for a ride to, to a black hole. To a black hole. Yeah. So well, first up, let's talk about a black hole. What is a black hole? It's a big black ball in space <laughs> black ball in that space. sucks in everything and it doesn't you suck can't it in. escape. Yes, that, that, it sucks in light. Sucks in, it will even light. It doesn't suck it in. I mean, gravitational force. It's normally a... a yeah, it's the gravitational... It's very heavy. It's a gravitational... <laughs> mass, mass. Uh, but there's a lot of mass. There's a lot of weight. <laughs> It's going to take a long time to get through this. It's, a, it's an object that has so much mass in such a confined space that it even light cannot escape. The gravitational pull is so great that light can't get away from it. And that's our concept of, of what a black hole is. Mm-hmm. Now, what Stephen Hawking's really said was the event horizon... Which is the the outside of it? Well, well it's the very... no, well. The singularity is in the centre. Remember, yeah. it's infinite mass in zero zero dimensions, which is, makes which makes my head go weebly anyway. Yeah. You just go, but it's the event horizon is the point that light, light. If, if light can no longer get away, yeah. and it's much much further away from the event horizon. In the past, what we thought that if you floated across the event horizon, mm-hmm. you would not notice. You would just float through the event horizon, 
because the singularity, and, and, and talking about, sorry, I should say supermassive black hole here, the ones at the center of the galaxy. Oh, okay. Because like, you get black holes the size of a proton. I mean, it's a, oh, lot, okay. of, a lot of mass in a very small piece of space. It doesn't, doesn't have to be a large thing. The super collider. Yes. Makes them, doesn't it? No. Or that's can. The, they, the, you can make little tiny it was worried. That... It was worried. People were worried that it would make a, super, a microscopic black hole, which would fall to the center of the planet Earth and start devouring our planet. No, that's not how it would work. That's, no, it's It would not. just evaporate you, almost but, immediately evaporate almost immediately. We'll get back to that. Okay. We'll get back to that. But that's a very good point. Oh, I've accidentally done something right. Evaporation. Uh, but it shouldn't, should it? Because it's sucking everything in. What, how's it putting it in? To evaporate has to give something up. We'll get back to that, though. So the event horizon is this point in space where light can no longer escape, basically. Nothing can. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't notice as you passed across. I heard, the people I read, would, that yes. you would spaghettify. Not, not at that point. We're talking no. about a supermassive black hole. Yeah. You, would just, you wouldn't notice. You, a supermassive black hole could be... I mean, the one that's at the center of our galaxy yep. is the size of our solar system. But light can't get out of it. Yes. So singu- the... the singularity is at, is at where the sun would be. Yep. The event horizon would be at Neptune. Yep. You wouldn't feel the gravitational forces particularly any greater once you passed across the event horizon. You wouldn't go from, okay, 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 rip to pieces just as you cross the event horizon. You have to get much, much closer to the singularity to do that. Remember the inverse square law for gravity. Yep. So get close to it, bad things happen. Far away... Not so bad, okay? You wouldn't be getting away from it. You couldn't swim away. <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't fire a rocket and go, but you wouldn't notice it particularly. Oh, okay. As you get closer to it, you start getting stretched out. The gravity forces on your feet are much greater than the gravity forces on your head if you're going feet first, and it pulls you apart and you get spaghettified. That was the thought process. But that's much, much, much closer. Not on the event horizon. But that's relativity. That's got to do with curves of space, and that's why we thought the event horizon was the way it was. But there's this thing called quantum mechanics, yep. which everyone knows about. And the quantum mechanics has a very different view on this. And he, Stephen Hawking's worked out a while ago that black holes evaporate. As you just said before, they evaporate. These yeah. things that should drag everything in forever and just sit there going, bugger off, it's mine. All the mass is mine. Go away. It actually evaporates, these Hawking radiation. And that's got to do with quantum mechanic effects. So it's a bit so complicated. So you've got pairs. Yes, yes. We've talked about this before, haven't energy. we? Yes. So you've oh, got maybe I Maybe I just knew it, no, Craig. Well, we talked about zero Maybe point. I found out from another vector. Well, you, you would find, oh, another vector. Very nice. Um, it, the very first podcast we ever did, we talked about zero-point energy. Yes. The number one. Smart answer better, number one, episode one. So bear with me here. Very, very quick. Quantum mechanic effects. Space is not empty. It's full of these things called virtual particles. A particles appear, the, the matter and antimatter, for, for, for an absolute nano millionth of a nanosecond. They appear, they pull apart, they go together, and they annihilate. So in the end, the net addition to the universe is zero. So but we know this exists. Mm-hmm. There is um, pressure in the, in, the, in the void or zero energy that we, can, we can't access yet but it's there oh it would be wonderful to access that but if you're on the either side of the event horizon so the particle that goes inside the event horizon gets sucked into the black hole yeah and the one that's not just disappears into space so we're just making matter well making we're, energy. we're making energy it's got to come let's somewhere. do that well it's evaporating it in my car <laughs> it's evaporating the black hole so the black hole is actually giving off a very very weak radiation it's called the hawking radiation we can't detect it directly because it's so weak compared to the background energy of space and everything around us, but it's pretty certain it's there at this point. Like, we've done other experiments which back this up. Okay. All right, why I'm telling you this? Okay, now, that's quantum mechanics and gravity, yep. oh, sorry, relativity, working together. That's great. These two theories seem to be saying something, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, as in everything, these two theories don't want to work together. The quantum mechanics, the, the study of the very small... I know, the Einstein. <laughs> well, he's relativity, and, and that's, yeah, relativity, space and speed and big things 
works beautifully, works wonderfully. Quantum mechanics is very, very small, works wonderfully. When you put those two together, they fight. They fight, fight, fight. They don't want to, they don't want to talk to each other. And that battleground is our size. And, and it pretty much, it, well, the battle side is, is the event horizon. And what people said a couple of years ago, they said, hang on, this, the particle that goes into the black hole and the particle that flies off, they're in quantum entangled. So we, we, if quantum entangled, sort of, you can start doing thing to one thing, and it will do it happen instantaneously to the other one. Uh, okay. Sort of stuff. They, you can get information from this. And quantum entanglement. We won't go down there, but they're entangled. They're, they're, that's what we have to say. They're entangled together. Mm-hmm. Now, what particles can only be entangled to one other particle. That's it. That's that's one of those rules. Quantum mechanics can only happen that way. But the way this, uh, when the one goes into the black hole, it starts technically being entangled to all the other things that have been entangled, uh, that have been pulled in there before. So what we've just said is it's entangled with the one that, that leaving the black hole, mm-hmm. but it's also entangled to everything else. But you just said they can't do that. Boom! And this is where the problem lies. So the way they got around it, people said, okay, we have to break the entanglement between the one that fell in and the one that flew out. <gasps> That's money for nothing, that is. And that's not allowed. And there, there's a lot of energy, so much energy. In fact, you're talking about the quark-gluon plasma at the start of the universe sort of energy, like the hot, hot part of the energy at the start of the universe, to break the entanglement. So they called this thing the firewall. So suddenly they said, there's this thing called the firewall. At the event horizon, no longer would you just coast through the event horizon of a supermassive black hole and not realize it. You would actually be incinerated, though they say burning is not what happened. You just wouldn't exist anymore. All, your, all the matter in your body would stop being talked to any other bits of matter in your body. You'd just be gone, instantly, dead. So, particleized? Particleized, it's hard to say, yeah. it's Exterminated? Exterminated, yeah, dialectized. Disintegrated? Basically, no, no, you wouldn't even be particles. You'd yeah, just be you, you, torn, would, you torn would be pieces. no longer integrated. Yes. You'd be disintegrated. Disintegrated, yes, you'd be disintegrated. But there would be no particles left over? No, there'd be no particles left over. There would, would, there be, would, there, would there be half particles? I don't know, no, no. Basically, no, I think they it always turn into energy. So matter, okay. matter into energy. That's just the energy. Photons all being sucked in. Nothing left. Nothing left. Because the problem with this is it's called the firewall. People went, oh, it's a firewall. We can't... You look at the... We, we can look where black holes are. We've never seen a big burning bright thing with black holes. Should be. We wouldn't call them black holes, would we? We'd call no, them no. the dirty great bright thing in the sky. Yeah, so there's a problem here. It's a firehole. Yeah, it's a fire... Exactly. So there's a problem here. Maybe we can't see it. Maybe the light can't escape from because it's on the event horizon. Maybe it's being sucked back into the black hole. Lots of different reasons why we can't see this thing. Okay, that's the background. I know the audience is like, get on with it, Greg. But that's our background. Now everyone's up to the, the same point. <laughs> be nice, be nice. Right, so here we go. What Stephen Hawking said, he came up with what's called the apparent event horizon. So he said the event horizon is not actually an event horizon, this, this impermeable barrier between us and the universe. He doesn't like the firewall, by the way. He, he doesn't agree with it. The no. physicists are broken up into firewall people and non-firewall people and then sensible people who just try and talk to both parties. But it's always fun to... Dichotomies! You know, you have to pick one or the other. I don't like the firewall either, by the way. It, not that that matters a jot. Like, physics, <laughs> physics is not freaking out. Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Ward is not like the firewall! <laughs> <laughs> Change your textbooks. Name the sun, Chad. Uh, <laughs> do that too. While we're at it, so he, and Stephen Hawking does like the firewall. His, so he he called it the apparent event horizon, and what he's saying is it's not actually an event horizon. And the way he explains it is you don't need to worry about the firewall anymore. But it, it's hard to explain. But that's why he he didn't say it was gone. He just created this new thing, which kind of looks like an event horizon, but isn't but a whole new thing. But from the outside observer, it would look like an event horizon. Okay. But you don't need to invoke a firewall to do it. No. 
people have said, well, where's the mass involved in this? There's something more interesting in this, though, is I find really, really really interesting is this has kind of already been solved. Other physicists have already kind of solved the sus kind, I do believe, have said, hang on, this is not a problem. This is not a problem at all. Hawking radiation, it, it doesn't come as one particle. This has been th- heavily theorized. It always appears in two particles, like twin particles. So you don't get one particle inside the event horizon and one outside the event horizon. You get two yeah. inside the event horizon and two outside the event horizon. And so you're not getting entangled pairs separated by an impermeable event horizon. Oh. You're getting two that go in, which are stuck together and then annihilate, and two that go out and annihilate. And that's, that's the quantum mechanic answer to this whole problem. They're not entangled. When they cross the event horizon, you never get one going in the event horizon and one coming out, of the, well, one leaving the event horizon. So it's you, always two. So it's four particles appear. So they're popping into existence... But at the event horizon, the, the, the left side and the right side can't. They don't interact. Can't be on either side of the event horizon. Yes, yes, and it's and they're not quantum entangled. They're quantum entangled with each other. The one, the two that are inside are quantum entangled, and the two that are outside are quantum entangled. So there are four particles. There are four particles, and that solves the problem because you no longer have the issue of splitting an entangled pair. So And you still get Hawking radiation. You've still got two particles, well, technically annihilating. Some of them get pulled away. But anyway, you still get the radiation, and you get, you get ones being sucked away. It still works. And what was interesting about this, when I did this research, and I'll put the links into the show notes for people who really want to do a serious, heavy bit of physics here. Yeah. This has been known for a while. This, these papers have been out for a good couple of months before all this, the black hole doesn't exist. It's just funny how it wasn't considered important, but now someone else's research has actually ah. answered a problem that it didn't even know it had to answer when it was being done. I'm very excited by this, but it's just, it's, it's, <laughs> I am. I would be very excited. The, the, the short answer is black holes exist. They're not that black anymore. They, we've known they radiate energy through Hawking radiation for a while. They are ridiculously complicated things. Let's face it, you can't have something that has zero dimensions and infinite mass like or mass it's it's getting it it that's when physics breaks down we don't know enough to say what it is yet or why why it works or how it works we need to study them a lot more so what you're saying is that in fact science is just progressing one little step by in- one little step incrementals yeah with uh with with knowledge yes Michelle Bachman go sit on a tack Hello, Chicken Greg. Chicken Dan. How are things going? Good, good. I've been scratching earth, crowing. Great, great. Me too. Cool. Hey, I've got something for you to try. What is it? A new food. It's called Soylent White. Mmm. Mmm. It's good. It's smooth. I can't tell where my tongue stops and the food begins. What's it made from? Chicken. Soylent white is chicken. Ah! Gross! It, it tastes like kissing. You're such a cock. What's your point? <laughs> Walk of shame! I wasn't ready. Walk of shame! The Shame doesn't have to wait till you're ready, Dan. It's it's always there. It's it's whether you're ready or not. I'm ready. Oh, yay! Ah, <laughs> oh, wow. Have we? Oh, I've got. We've got. I had so much stuff sent to me, which means, of course, guess who was wrong a lot? Dan was wrong a lot. Oh. First one. We had a. 
We had Dan Spence write in about the hemoglobin link in the last Work of Shame. He was the guy who told about how we were wrong about Jesus Christ's hemoglobin powers. Now, you called, uh, him, yeah. you called him Spence. His name is Dan Spence. Dan, goodness sakes, his name's not Spence. He's very upset. <laughs> he told, I, he wait, told me ca- to tell you this. I called him by his name. You called him, no, you called him, you said he, well, um, or just Spence as Dan renamed me when I said the hemoglobin link. So he's just, that's a Work of but Shame. His, na- his last name's Spence. Yeah, his name's Dan Spence, yeah. not Suspense. And I just call him Spence. Yeah, but that's, that's very familiar. Yeah. Well, he's our listener. <laughs> I've been sitting in his ear canal. <laughs> anyway, he wanted, to, he wanted to bring up a point. In the Magnetic Dogs episode, 61, yeah. Dan said that the fact that testosterone suppresses the immune system meant that man flu is a real thing because we suffer more symptoms. Yes. That was your hypothesis, right? Yes. This is prime fodder for a walk of shame. Now, I'm putting the oh, emphasis, okay. but he wrote prime fodder. Okay. This is prime fodder for a walk of shame because it's, it's in fact... Divisible by one in itself. Because, in fact, the symptoms of most illnesses are actual symptoms of the immune system reacting to a virus or bacteria. Oh, balls! He's this, right! Th- this means that Dan's claim that testosterone suppressing the immune system means man flu is real is a non sequitur. We get less response, we as in males, get yeah. less response, therefore less symptoms, therefore shouldn't be as whiny about symptoms. We just die more easily. Dan Spencer's personal opinion, which I want to put in here because, you know, walk of shame for him if he gets it wrong. Uh, well, it's opinion. Can't really be wrong. My personal opinion is that we might be more men and might be more verbal about our symptoms and or more honest is another way of looking at it. Or that we elicit the mothering response from our partners that we got as kids when we complain about symptoms. But we can't find a reference of this. He has referenced a lot of this, by the way. Everything he's back to, he's just back to, he's got real science. Maybe I should start doing it. <laughs> so there we go. Walk of shame, Dan. And I think I'm reading it. That's I think Dan Spence, I think good old Spence is right. Yeah. I was thinking about names the other day. And, you know, like, what's the default name when you, when, like, the generic name? John. John. John Smith. John Smith or mm. John Doe? John Doe, yes. And I realised, you know, the best generic name would be at Christian Sir. Christian Sir? Yeah. Because your first name is Christian and your last name is Sir. So your surname is Sir and your Christian name is Christian. Like, that's a great generic name. Yeah. Christian Sir. Okay. All right. Um, I don't know how to respond to that at this point, Dan. It requires no response. Uh, Norm Johnson Mm -hmm. points the finger squarely at you. Oh, really? Oh, really? Really, Mr. Johnson? I hope he's right. Oh, good. Because I meant to double-check this. (laughs) Oh, great. But he says, Homo sapiens sapiens and Mm. Homo sapiens neanderthalus are not... Different species, as you said, there's subspecies. Subspecies are infertile, Mm. therefore having it off is not like foxes and wolves, different species. Mm. Subspecies can and do interbreed, but are typically geographically separated, but apparently not in anthropology. I will accept that, yes. Thank you very much. I will accept that. Absolutely right. This comes from a listener by the name of Fault, talking about... You making a comment about bird navigation and the magnets inside the bird's nose. Oh, yeah. Aha, uh-huh. okay. So Dan's proclamation about bird navigation seems to be an interesting amalgam between two different researchers' work. Ooh. Moral of the story, different species use an amazing array of skills to navigate. First, a 2011 Italian study by Anna Gagliato testing whether a pigeon's scent maps function equally through both nostrils. By plugging up one or more nostrils, the pigeons can dramatically have different patterns of flight when returning home. The right nostril was more effective in helping them find their way. 
So oh, I've never, I've never no. been exposed to that. No, one. no, that's right. Now we did kind of talk about the nose, and but we were, and left and right nose. That's the that's the scent one. Yeah. So this same research approved that pigeons navigate using odor maps to a greater extent than they use magnetic fields back in 2006. Oh wow! Gagliardo did this by severing the alternately the olfactory nerve of, or the trigemic nerve, which connects to the magnetite-based magnetic reception in the upper beak. This magnetic reception is not known to be lateral, so it's not across both. All right. So that's they tested that they flew based more on odor than on magnets. Mm-hmm. That's the first one. The second study in 2010 by Karen Stappert on robins. Robins see magnetic fields yep. via a light-activated reaction in their eyes. Researchers believe it overlays the image of everything else they see. This is the second of the two known magnum reception mechanism birds. Stappert fitted goggles frosted in only one eye, left or right, yeah. and found that robins navigate using magnetic fields primarily with their right eye and would look adorable! I know, they look <laughs> like little pirates! A little, a little, they need to have a little... Yeah. Tiny, tiny parrot on their shoulder. No, they have a little tiny, tiny human. Oh, a little tiny pirate. (laughs) So there we go. So both species navigate with a lateral bias on the right and both have magnet receptions. But pigeons don't use magnetic reception laterally and robins don't have magnetite. The world is complicated thanks to the inducement to learn. Excellent, excellent. I'm not walking that one. Because I posted the Robin one on the website. Oh, right. oh, really? I found what I was talking about and I stuck it up. Uh-huh. Aha! You've already walked of shame yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, hit me. Hit me. Yeah. Hit me. Because I've got one more walk of shame. Uh, good. Good. I'm ready. I'm, oh, I'm limber. Oh, let's go. Come on. Mm-hmm. Ready? Is, is ready? It, yep, ready? Yep, go. It's for me. Oh yeah. No, wait, own, wait, wait, hang on. Yay! <laughs> I found my own mistake. <laughs> I said that fat people get colder. Because they lose more body heat from their skin. Because we have wider surface area. That was your theory. And fat people don't have blubber, and that doesn't protect your core at all. Sure. Okay. Kind of wrong. People with a higher body mass index are less susceptible to hypothermia because fat insulates the body's core. I would have thought so. Whales have blubber. Mm. Camels put their fat up in their hump Mm -hmm. so that the rest of them can stay thin and... In a desert. Yep, and lose Mm. lots of heat. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is very clever. I'd never, it never occurred to me before. Mm. But they just go, well, just stick it all up there. Mm. Mm. Because of complex signaling in the brain in response to cold weather, people with a higher BMI may in fact have a sense of feeling colder. So what happens? Oh. When the outside temperature drops, our brains trigger our bodies to respond by interpreting two signals, mm. internal body temperature and the temperature on the surface of the skin. According to Scientific American, when blasted with a winter chill, our blood vessels constrict, limiting our heat loss through the skin, and we start to shiver, which warms us up. But in people with a high BMI, subcutaneous fat effectively insulates the body's core while the skin cools. A cooler skin temperature may make obese people feel colder in response. Also, muscle mass tends to create more heat. Because it's kind of busy and creating... well, well, muscle muscle is active where yeah. fat is passive. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So people with less muscle mass and more surface area, say women, mm. act, actually on suffer average. the cold more. All women, on okay, average, on average. All right. <laughs> but are you saying that there's women with more muscles than me? <laughs> That snapped me in half. Uh, but, it, but put it this way, Dan: if this, if what you did then was the gun show, it was a Derringer two shot. Oh. I like the idea that people listening to the podcast just quickly went to the internet and typed in Derringer two shot and went, "That's very small gun." That is a very small gun. <laughs> but if muscle mass creates heat, then that means that it's burning calories. Mm. So fit people actually lose weight without doing anything. Mm. Yes, like absolutely. 
you can you can lose weight effortlessly just by being a fit person. Yes, it's it's easier to be a fit. That's person. so cruel. Yeah, it is. It is. The it's fitty, hard enough for bigger people. The fit the fitter you become, the more you're burning energy. Muscle takes more energy. So yeah, exactly right. Yes. It's one of those things. If you want to lose weight, you got to start. You got to do a lot of work at the start, and not so much work later on. Dear me! So just get out there and do it. Give it a go. If you hear that Greg has made some sort of massive screw up scientifically <laughs> or pop culturally, mm. do send an email to me, Dan at smartenough.org. Or if you're sitting there and Dan just says some hideous gaff, hideous gaff, then send it to me, Greg at smartenough.org. Remember, don't send it to the person who did it. It's much more fun to ambush them. Get that look of fear in their eye. <laughs> we love it. We've gotten through a lot of interesting stuff today. It really has been very content heavy. That's very exciting. Thank God. <laughs> the audience is like, hooray, finally, for once. <laughs> 63 episodes in. Now, of course, it's time for the song. The part you love the most, Dan. Oh, don't. don't go on, then. What have you got for me? Well, let's just say... Something that buoys me up? Something that delights me? I hope in... so. I hope so. Let's oh, just say... Oh, that sounds so unenthusiastic. No. Oh, I hope so, Dan. No, I hope that this one pisses you off. Well, uh, let's, I'm going to put it this way. Oh, God. The people who, who made this song ain't nothing to f*** with. That's all I'm going to say. They ain't nothing to f*** with. All right. And I don't use that sort of language on the podcast very often, do I? No. <laughs> unless you, write, unless unless you write a script for me. Yeah. And make you say it. But they are nothing to f*** with. Okay. Before space and time, thought produced a speck of light. It was infinitely hot, so extremely bright. Within the center of this great shining, there was massive energy and it was expanding in great timing. Within this fireball was all of space, a very special place for information and case. Literally a beginning. This cosmic clock was ticking and allowed space to flow while it was spinning. Everything we see around us, the sun, the moon, the stars, millions of worlds that astound us. The universe inside is hard to fathom. It was composed in a region small as a single atom. Less than one trillionth the size the point of a pen, microscopic but on a macro level within. Unfurling this swirling cloud of light, a star city, a galaxy with all its might. Within the blinking of an eye expanded beyond comprehension. Within the fraction of a second, a new dimension. At a marble size, very unstable, in time it would come with a periodic table. Space was expanding faster than light speed. It moving at the rate only thought can next see. A people second after the Big Bang, music of the spheres before the ears, the universe is now sang. Small enough to fit in your hand, a nanosecond later, it was the size of Mars and becoming greater. Fraction of a second later, 80 times the size of Earth. Fastest growing infants is the time of birth. Still expanding, but it didn't contain matter, just pure energy that was mixing within the batter. But massive energy, interchangeable, convert those particles, rearrangeable, but matter and antimatter, the arch rival, met, obliterated each other for survival. A war zone, a battle to the death, but as there as long as there is life and breath, there's one remaining left. The main thing I want to take away from this is no matter where you start out in life or what career you choose, 
Do not stop learning about yourself in the universe, in your surroundings, whether physically or metaphysically. Challenging myself to explore outside my comfort zone has enabled me to make amazing, brilliant new friends and colleagues and given me the tremendous opportunity to speak to you here today. Thank you. So that was GZA, the genius of the Wu-Tang Clan. I have a theory about poetry. Mm -hmm. I think poetry is great. Good. Good theory. I think it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I think that everyone should write poetry. I Mm. think that there should be more poetry written. I think it should never be performed. It's boring. But it's very therapeutic. That was a rap. He that said a wasn't rap. a rap. That was a rap. That was that no, was that a rap. Was... It was okay. So for our listeners to want to know that it came from, that yeah. came from a University of Toronto lecture. He was invited in to come and, and do that rap uh, as part of his dark matter uh, cosmology themed album. Is coming up. So as he said at the end, he wanted to get out of his comfort zone and do something different. So he's trying to make a scientifically accurate rap, and that was part he's of stepping it. Stepping on our turf. Ah, he's stepping on our turf. Yes. Hey, big, big props to GZA then and the Wu-Tang Clan for, for doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now let's move on to the important thing. We can do better than that. Can we? I think we can. Yes. We, we, can, we can do... We, we've been saying for a long time we should do a rap. I challenged you. We guess. Yes. And I think it's time. If GZA can do it, then sure as hell we can do it because SUTKB ain't nothing to f*** with. Where is that phrase from? That's the Wu-Tang Clan phrase. Wu-Tang oh Clan. Goodness, the Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to F with. Oh, okay. Oh, that's... Oh, now I recognize it. <laughs> Sorry, I must have only heard the radio edit. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, it'd be Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to it with. Oh, right. Yeah. It'd be... It'd be f***ing with. Okay, so... So the rap song that we've been threatening to do, we're, we're going to do it? It's, it's going to get done. All right. We it's, are going to spit some mad rhymes... Okay, because we because we had science rhymes because we did have some some listeners send in some ideas. One listener wanted us to do one about feathered dinosaurs. You could f- off. Uh, we did. Oh, you, my, you, this is what happened last night. Oh, he's angry. Oh, okay, okay. He's trembling. With I age. was I was playing around doing some theatrical silliness mm. to entertain my wife. Last night. And I pulled out an old favourite, mm-hmm. the old Velociraptor impression. Yeah, impression. yeah, yeah. Squat down, yeah. bounce on your legs, yeah. things out of the sky, that ah mm. type of thing. And, and she said, eh, not bad, needs a feather boa. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, frog princess. <laughs> you, you will always be welcome on this podcast. So we will do this rap. It will be done. We will create a rap within... Uh, sometime. Soon. In the next two years. No, 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 no. Closer no. than that. Maybe next podcast, maybe the one after that. Okay, yes. This one's an interview, so maybe not that one. Okay, yeah. but it'll be coming. It'll be scientific, and it will be adequate to your scientific needs, as all good raps should be. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. The other voice is Greg at smartenough.org. Check us out on Twitter at SE2KB. And Facebook as well. SE2KB. Brilliant. Get onto iTunes and give us a rating. Because the more ratings we get and the more reviews we get, the closer we get to that pristine front page of the science and medicine page on the podcast part of the iTunes store. Okay, there's about half a dozen clicks to get to that point, but then it just limits the amount of scrolling that people have to do 
after that in order to get to our link. Or, you know what, just tell someone to listen to this show. It's That's right. brilliant. And they you could, listen to it all the way through. You And you could, remember, remember, of course, you have to tweet a name for the moon. Oh, yeah. Tweet a name for the moon. It's very, very, very important that you do this and put it somewhere in the smartenough.org. Yes. And let us know, of course, at, at SE2KB, so we all know what the heck is going on there. Should we have a hashtag? No, no, no. Just the just the URL. Just the URL. Yeah. Put the URL in there, okay, and make sure you can and you can put as many entries as you like. Yeah, yeah. We will yeah, pick. Yeah. We will pick Do the one. Of them. We will pick the one keep, that we want. Keep spamming all your friends with the URL smartenough.org. Don't, don't. Spam. No, it's a great idea. That's called sales. Uh, yes, that's how you say the dark art. <laughs> are we are we going to do the the end bit end bit? Or? We haven't decided on no, one. Okay, those are my, okay. 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 We want to have a catchphrase for the podcast to finish it because we currently yes. we just ramble, ramble on. We just kind of just we really do. It's like someone walking uh, into a quagmire. It's very and quicksand. In the end, you leave before they died, but you're feeling bad for them. And so we want good. something punchy yes. at the end. So we're going to be trying out some right. punchy okay. like science stuff. Okay. See, so so what do we come up with we, today? What's what's one we tried today? Oh. I'm Dan and I'm Greg. Uh, Trust and question everything. Hi there, it's Dan here. This episode of Smart Enough to Know Better is sponsored by CivicNet Web Development. That's right, I own it. I don't want to blow my own horn, but I'm pretty good. If you need a website designed for you, or maybe you work in a business where they need a new website... Why not contact me at dan at civicnet.com.au or check out the website. That's civicnet.com.au. Tell them Dan sent you. Tell, tell me that I sent you. <laughs> Remember, we're definitely right some of the time. <laughs> uh, so we can name the Earth too then. It's already got a name. Yeah. It's the, Chat 8. Chat 8. <laughs> we named the Earth. We've already named the Earth. <laughs> Once we get the moon name down, we can just say the only podcast to have named the sun, the Earth, and the moon. That's it. There's no other podcast that's done it. No. In the whole wide world. Well, there's no podcast that's even gone as far as to name the sun. So <laughs> I think we're already <laughs> steps ahead again. It's just too late for them now. We have to be careful, though, because someone like someone like John Green or Hank Green, because they're really popular, they could do their... Well, very so are we. It says so in the email. <laughs> At the same time, while I'd brush my teeth and eat... What's wrong with me today? Brr, red leather, yellow leather. <laughs> Big while, bad bears. While I'd brush my teeth... Big bad bears. I was like... It's, uh, it's Astro from the Jetsons. <laughs> when vocal warm-ups go wrong. Mrs. Uh, <laughs> Puggy Wuggy had a... A c- a c- all right. Also, while I brush the night, <laughs> all right, I just need to get that out of our system. Ah, ma, 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 ma. Yes. Um, trust me, trust me, trust us, trust us, and question everything. Okay. Okay. So, you, hi, I'm Greg. Hi, I'm Dan. Yeah. Okay. Trust so, I'm Greg. I'm Dan. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm Greg, and I'm Dan. Trust us. I forgot the thing. <laughs>